Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Why is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Money in the Bank post-show for July 2nd, 2022. I am your host, J.D. from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Saturday evenings this 4th of July weekend. Wherever you may be. The build 
for this Money in the Bank pay-per-view was probably one of the worst that I've ever seen. And I find myself saying that a little bit more often with these premium live events. They are anything but premium. The build is anything but premium. The Money in the Bank pay-per-view build was fucking lame. It was lazy. It was downright awful as far as WWE logic, common sense, and creative. The way that they handle these Money in the Bank qualifying matches, all you got to do is go back to SmackDown and watch the illogical garbage that they gave you. It's almost as if they didn't care. It's almost as if they didn't care. Last night they had a battle royal that consisted of everybody that was already in the match and four other guys who were wrestling to qualify for the Money in the Bank ladder match tonight, only for Baron Corbin to win it and then not get added, only to then put him in a fatal four-way and lose, and Madcap Moss gets in. That was the very definition of literally the entire four weeks of WWE build for Money in the Bank. Lame and lazy. Typically with these WWE pay-per-views, The worse that the build is, the better the show ends up being. Our expectations are so low going into it. There's no way it could be worse than what we've seen on television the last four weeks. So when we get there, there's a level of excitement because it's money in the bank. WWE potentially pulling out a surprise here or a surprise there. Maybe they give us the right winner And we get on that road to decent storytelling in WWE. We were on our way right out of the gate. We were on our way right out of the gate with Liv Morgan winning money in the bank for the women. And then ultimately cashing in the money in the bank on Ronda Rousey, which we will talk about a little bit later. I was shocked by that outcome. I've been joking around for several months. Ha, 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 ha. Liv Morgan's never going to win a world championship. Ha, 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 ha. WWE doesn't give a shit about Liv Morgan. Ha, 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 ha. WWE doesn't push anybody if you're not named Charlotte or Becky Lynch or Bianca Belair. They proved us all wrong tonight. How long this lasts, I don't know. It depends on when Charlotte Flair comes back because we all know that Charlotte more than likely will be staking her claim and putting that fucking ship into the CPU and then she's going to download yet another world championship title reign where nobody wants it. Nobody wants it. So how long that lasts, I don't know. But enjoy it while you can, Liv Morgan stands. Enjoy it while you can. Go to your local Walmart and buy all the lube up and fucking buy your box of tissues that are on sale at Stop and Shop, two for four. Let it all out. Let it all out. It's going to end quicker. It's going to end basically, and you're familiar with the uh, eight-second rule, right? Eight seconds. It'll be over in eight seconds. Don't worry about it. You get your instant gratification, you're satisfied, and then... You know, you're going to be left unsatisfied at the end of all of this. Believe me. Believe me. We will talk about that a little bit later. I'm not, I'm not here shitting on Liv Morgan. I'm just letting you guys know the truth. If you, don't, if you don't like the truth, man, I don't know what to fucking tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Liv Morgan. I thought that WWE was on their way to giving us, oh, my God, they're actually doing something right. 
And then we get to the men. And then we get to the men. We got seven guys in there. Seven guys that included Omas and Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn and Drew McIntyre and Sheamus and Madcap Moss and Seth Rollins. Only for WWE to pull out a swerve and then add Austin Theory to the money in the bank field, upping the number from seven to eight. Why did they do that? Why did they do that? I don't know. WWE basically... WWE basically told you that everything that they did leading into this pay-per-view was fucking half-assed and lazy. So why not go that extra mile and make everything that you watched on TV and all the struggles that each and every one of these guys had to go through to get into this match, why don't we just put Austin Theory in there for the sake of putting Austin Theory in there and disguise it behind he's Vince McMahon's protege. He's the hand-picked guy by the boss, Vince McMahon. I don't want to come off the wrong way because I actually quite enjoy Austin Theory. I think Austin Theory is the future of the company. I think Austin Theory is fantastic. Ever since I first went to an Evolve show and I seen Austin Theory, I'm like, this is the guy. If this guy ain't in WWE and made into the next John Cena for Vince McMahon and World Wrestling Entertainment, then something's fucking wrong. Something's going on and it ain't right. I seen him wrestle before he hit NXT. I saw him wrestle hit. I saw him wrestle before he hit WWE's main roster. I, I get how good he is. I do. I understand how good he is. You might not like him. I don't give a shit. He's got it. He's going to be it. He's going to be the man. But the thing is, the thing is, guys, it's not now. Austin Theory's time is not now. Money in the Bank was a, I'm going to say, Money in the Bank was a B-plus pay-per-view. I would give this show a solid 7.5, a hard 8 out of 10. I thought this show was great tonight. I thought it was very enjoyable. I thought what WWE did is have you go into this with low expectations and you came out a happy camper. That's what they usually do. That's their, that's their motto. Set your expectations so low so you can't go into this shit expecting any worse. It has to be good by default. That's what they do. That's how they grab you. But at the end of the night, for everything that WWE does right, They always, 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 always have to fuck it up. Always. Austin Theory was not the right guy to win this match. Austin Theory was not the right guy to win this match. Austin Theory does not present WWE with the greater story to be told here. Unless you're going to make Austin Theory the WWE champion on Monday Night Raw, I I don't see how this makes any sense whatsoever. Everybody's already jumping on my back, but JD, you're the leader of wanting WWE to build new stars. Yes, I am. And I take that flag and I fucking plant it into the ground and I take my hat and I throw that bitch right on top. But that doesn't mean we need to rush the process. Everything has a time and a place. Everything must happen when it's the right time and everything must happen when it's the right place to do so. 
Austin Theory winning money in the bank and Austin Theory being a potential world champion in the year 2022 is not the right place and it's not the right time. I don't give a shit what you say, who you are, what you think. It's not the right time. He is 24 years old. He's accomplished nothing on the main roster. And you're already taking somebody that almost everybody realizes has a ton of potential and you're taking the plunger like you usually do with everybody that has the potential of an Austin Theory and you're shoving it down the fucking fan's throat. And that's not right. It's not right for him, and it's not right for us. I don't want to sit here and hate the decisions that they make. But when you have an opportunity to tell stories, and you bypass it for political bullshit, then I have a fucking problem. Seth Rollins or Matt Riddle were the only two guys in that match that made any fucking sense. Any sense. Austin Theory in 2022, what will he accomplish holding the world championship? All I saw on that show tonight was people getting up and heading for the exits when he grabbed the fucking briefcase and people are going to turn their back on somebody that doesn't deserve it. Austin Theory does not deserve to be hate on by the fans, and that's what you're doing. That's what you're setting him up to do. Fail. Fail in front of the fans' eyes. Vince McMahon not, might not give a shit. Vince McMahon thinks he's doing the right thing. WWE thinks they're doing the right thing. They're not. Every single fucking time, they got somebody that we deem the next guy. Potential. The face of the company, what do they do? They make him hated. Austin Theory's going to be a heel. Fine. We don't know his potential as a heel. But what you're doing is making him into public enemy number one. You're doing Roman Reigns all over again with a 24-year-old Austin Theory. You're taking somebody that the company clearly, clearly has a liking to and you're shoving him up front and center, bypassing everybody else that should be up front and center because of political fucking bullshit. And he doesn't deserve that. Seth Rollins... He was the right choice. Matt Riddle, he was the right choice. Why? Why? Because Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar is coming to a conclusion at SummerSlam. Seth Rollins or Matt Riddle have a lot to do with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. And let's not forget about Cody Rhodes. If WWE actually sat down and paved out a road map to get us through the rest of the year until Cody Rhodes comes back. That's the story that you need. Not Austin Theory winning money in the bank to do what? To do what? Make him world champion above everybody else on the fucking show because he's Vince McMahon's guy? 
How many times do I need to reiterate this to you? Long-term booking. If you ain't on the long-term booking train, you gotta get the fuck off. Long-term booking rules all. Short-term booking or political bullshit, courtesy of Vince McMahon, is going to fail. Austin Theory's not going to generate any interest. He's not going to make the title feel important. When he wins, the title fans will turn on him. I don't see any positives to Austin Theory winning money in the bank. Yet I got blithering fucking half-witted low IQ fucking geeks online telling me, oh, this is the right decision. This is creating new stars. No, this is killing your new star and shoving him down fans' throats to a point where they're not going to appreciate him. I'm sorry. You don't think Austin Theory waiting, waiting is the better idea? Who's to say Cody Rhodes comes back, wins the world championship, holds it, and Austin Theory's on Monday Night Raw marinating, right? He's there getting wins, and he's growing, and fans see him, and he wins matches, and he gets some big wins for himself. Why don't you guys plan out a fucking roadmap if you want to make Austin Theory the world champion Why don't you finish telling the story of Rollins or Riddle or Cody or whoever the fuck you got to get in there and have Cody win the world championship and then have Austin Theory and Cody for the world championship sometime next year. Why do we need to put the cookies in the oven and take them out 30 seconds later where they're still doughy? I don't get it. I don't understand it. This is not creating new stars. This is killing new stars. This is killing the future. You're doing Roman Reigns all over again. They'll never learn. And the fans are fucking stupid who watch this shit on a regular basis. Not me. The fans are fucking stupid because they don't know any better. Austin Theory being in that match and getting added to that match... It only makes TV that you've watched for the last four or five weeks even more worthless. And you wasted even more of your time. Everybody else had to qualify. But Austin Theory gets added because he's Vince McMahon's protege. Is that the story that they're going to tell? He got in there because he's Vince McMahon's protege? What story is that? There's no story there. He's a cocksucker. He's a suck-up. That's the story you want to tell. Instead of Seth Rollins pinning Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar, depending on who wins the fucking match and what happens with the WWE and Universal titles, that's a greater story than Rollins taking the fucking title back to Raw, holding it hostage until Cody Rhodes comes back? That's what you deem what Monday Night Raw needs? That's what's best for Monday Night Raw? You deem Austin Theory better than Rollins or Riddle on Monday Night? Oh, but J.D. Rollins is, he's not a young guy. Or Riddle is not a young guy. Riddle's 36 years old. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a shit about his age. So what? So what? That even proves my point even more. Austin Theory's 24. Why do we need to give Austin Theory a world championship at the age of 24? It's forced and it's not natural. It's not something that should be happening in this time frame. 
You're bypassing everything else to fit your own agenda and fit your own narrative. And that's not what's best for business. This company is about one man. It continues to be about one man. And it bypasses everything, including long-term booking and what the fans actually want to see. I don't know how anybody, I don't know how anybody watched this show and listened to the reaction that Seth Rollins got tonight and then bypass him from Money in the Bank. You people are fucking mental, man. Uh, Maybe you're watching a completely different fucking show that I watched tonight. Austin Theory is not the right guy. Not the right guy. I'm not saying he's not the right guy ever. He's not the right guy now. Liv Morgan. Let's jump on the Liv Morgan bandwagon. This was the big shocker of the evening. Liv Morgan won money in the bank. Surprisingly. I thought they were going to give it to Becky Lynch. The two people that were on the promo poster, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, married, did not win the money in the bank and did not become king and queen, Mrs. and Mr. Money in the Bank. I thought that was a foregone conclusion as soon as that advertisement poster was leaked. Luke Morgan won money in the bank, surprisingly. Surprisingly. Then all of a sudden... We get Bianca Belair and Carmella happening. No Liv Morgan appearance. No Liv Morgan cash-in. She's on Monday Night Raw. She could have went for Liv Morgan or uh, Bianca Belair did Liv Morgan because Carmella attacked her after the match was over. So we get Natalia and Ronda Rousey, the SmackDown Women's Championship. And Liv Morgan, after the match was over, and Natalia did a number on Ronda Rousey, and she left her pretty much one-legged. Liv Morgan decided to cash in. And WWE, I thought they were going to blow this entire thing up and absolutely melt social media down to the ground. I thought Ronda Rousey was going to make Liv Morgan tap out with one fucking leg as she applied a ankle lock to Liv Morgan after the cash-in and the bell rung. That did not happen. Liv Morgan won. She pins Ronda Rousey and becomes the new SmackDown Women's Champion. I am shocked that WWE actually had Liv Morgan win the Money in the Bank briefcase and then of all fucking people, pin Ronda Rousey to win her first championship, her first singles championship in all of WWE. I know a lot of people are excited about this. I know a lot of people are excited about this and believe me, I am on that ship that you guys are steering into fucking paradise right now. Believe me. I'm a Liv Morgan guy. I think Liv Morgan is way overdue. She's paid her dues. She's gotten better in the ring. She's everything that WWE would want from a female superstar. She's beautiful. She can go. And she's been there and put in the years and the miles on the road to earn this opportunity. The fact that it did not happen earlier is a fucking crime and an injustice to Liv Morgan and creative malpractice. They waited and they gave you Liv Morgan pinning Ronda Rousey of all people. I am excited about this. I am. But I'm here to tell everybody. I'm here to tell everybody, whether you're here, you love me, whether you're here and you fucking hate me, you need to tread lightly. Do not Do not get overly excited. I would be shocked if this title reign lasts past the summer. 
We have Bailey set to come back literally any week now. Bailey is set to come back any week now. Charlotte Flair, Andrade is back on TV for AEW. So that means Charlotte Flair is probably due to come back any week now. You think Charlotte Flair is missing SummerSlam? I know I don't think Charlotte Flair is missing SummerSlam. You think Charlotte Flair is going to come back to television and not be in a world championship title program? It's what she does. It's what WWE does. They can't live in a fucking world. Charlotte can't live in a world where she's on TV and not fighting for a fucking championship or in a title match. You know it's going to happen. So reserve your excitement because you're only going to end up disappointed in the end when this lasts for 15 fucking minutes. Ronda Rousey dropping the championship to Liv Morgan was probably the best thing that Ronda Rousey's done in her entire run. This run and the last run she was on. Literally the one decision that she made tonight outdid everything that she was there doing before this. Ronda Rousey's run as champion is a fucking fail. She was a fail from the word go. Soon as she came back at number 30 in the Royal Rumble, this shit was doomed to fucking fail. They dropped the ball on her. They put her on SmackDown because Fox wants her on SmackDown. God forbid Fox lets her go to Monday Night Raw, where she probably would have been a little bit better. On SmackDown, they had no division. Monday Night Raw's division is not any better. But SmackDown's is far worse. Ronda Rousey on SmackDown after the Charlotte Flair feud, which was the worst women's title program of the fucking decade, After that feud was over, Ronda Rousey had absolute zero influence on anything that was happening good in that division. And there was nothing left for her to do. She was left with Shotzi. She was left with Shayna. She was left with Natalia. She was left with Raquel. She was left with Aaliyah. None of these women. Raquel, maybe. But it wasn't time. They tried to rush that. It wasn't time. None of these women would have been believable after Charlotte Flair lost that championship to Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey's run only would have enhanced how terrible the division is, and Ronda Rousey would have handcuffed that division to a point where they can't do anything creatively with her as champion. Now with Liv Morgan as the champion, and Liv Morgan cashing in on Ronda Rousey, and pinning Ronda Rousey, and coming over from Raw to SmackDown as the SmackDown Women's Champion, this opens up a world of possibilities. The women's division now is led by a normal women's champion, not somebody with the influence of Ronda Rousey, not somebody like Ronda Rousey who's going to go into every match with the fucking notion of, oh, they can't match up to Ronda because of who Ronda is. You handcuffed the entire division and creative for Ronda Rousey and she didn't draw a fucking dime. Not one dime did Ronda Rousey draw. Not one ratings draw was on the up because of Ronda Rousey. SmackDown has remained stagnant. SmackDown has not grown. Nobody extra or additional is watching SmackDown because of Ronda Rousey being there or Ronda being the world champion. This entire run was a fucking failure. I would not 
miss Ronda Rousey at all. She's awful. She does nothing for television, and her matches are painfully boring. She never made anybody better when she was in that ring with anybody that she was in the ring with. So if this is Ronda Rousey's last run, if this is Ronda Rousey's last title reign, good. Get off TV. She was nothing but a negative for WWE television. Liv Morgan opens up the possibilities of Raquel Gonzalez or Rodriguez, whatever the fuck her name is. <laughs> Smiley Raquel. Raquel Rodriguez. Aaliyah. Shotzi. Bailey. Android. Even though we don't want to see it. Nobody wants to see Charlotte versus Ronda again. I'd much rather see Liv versus Charlotte. Maybe Sasha comes back. Maybe Naomi gets back on television and she turns heel and challenges Liv Morgan for the world championship. That's a little far-fetched. We don't know what the fuck's going on with them. But do you guys get my point? The whole fucking division now can open its doors and breathe without Ronda Rousey suffocating it completely on Friday night. That's the positive with Liv Morgan winning the championship. Don't get... Too comfortable. WWE likes to have everybody feel good for about 15 fucking minutes. They love proving people wrong. They love proving people like me wrong. They love proving people like Don Tony and everybody else that predicted, up oh, Becky Lynch is going to win. Up oh, Raquel Rodriguez is going to win. Up oh, Shotzi Blackheart's going to win. Alexa Bliss is going to win. How many people thought Alexa Bliss was going to win the fucking Money in the Bank briefcase? Becky Lynch. Everybody at Becky Lynch. WWE loves proving people wrong. That's why they went with Liv Morgan. Do WWE have plans in place for Liv Morgan? I don't know. Probably not. They don't have plans for fucking Monday Night Raw on Monday. They didn't have plans for tonight's show. Have my fucking Liv Morgan plans laid out for a long, lengthy title run, a long, successful title run for Liv Morgan. They don't know what the fuck they're doing for tomorrow's breakfast. Never mind money in the bank. Don't get too excited. They love to let you get excited and they love to take it away. WWE loves to be in control. They love the fucking power. They love to take that away from you and play with your emotions. Don't get too excited and don't get too comfortable. And I'm not meaning that. I'm not saying that in a way to come off as negative to everybody who's a Liv Morgan guy. I'm a Liv Morgan guy. I think Liv Morgan is great. She deserves it. It was a feel-good moment. I was genuinely shocked. WWE pulled out the unpredictable card, but every time they do, there's always a little fucking, you know, what if next to it. There's always a reason why they do things. They didn't give Liv Morgan the championship because they have long-term visions as Liv Morgan with world championship title aspirations on SmackDown. No, no. They're planning their next move, and they're planning already to take that championship off of her, whether that's Charlotte or whether that's Bailey or whether that's Becky moving over to SmackDown. We don't know. We don't know. Don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. But Liv Morgan had a career night. Good for her. Good for her. She won money in the bank. She pinned the one woman that was at her weakest tonight, the one woman who looked to be untouchable, and that was Ronda Rousey. I don't think you could get any better than that. When Liv Morgan looks back on this night, this will be her career highlight. When you ask her 10 years from now, what is your career highlight? There will be nothing in that woman's career that is greater than what they did for her tonight, finally. At the end of the night, Money in the Bank was a solid show. Typically with these WWE shows, like I said at the top, when you go in with zero expectations, they usually 
blow you away because you're coming on in expecting the fucking worst because of what you saw on television for the last five weeks, and there's no way that it could be worse than what we watched on television the last five weeks. It needs to be good. It has to be good. And that was Money in the Bank tonight. Now we look forward to SummerSlam. Now we look forward to SummerSlam. WWE's already booking SummerSlam as the unofficial night three of WrestleMania 38 because that, that's exactly what it's turning out to be. We'll go over what happened on tonight's show. I'll give you my opinions of what we saw tonight. And it's going to be a good night, man. I appreciate you guys joining me right here on Off the Scripts. We got 3,600 people tonight. That's what I love to see, man. It's what I love to see. 3,600 people inside the OTS venue. I'm hearing the bar, man. I'm hearing those cash registers. I'm seeing the loud, fucking boisterous people enjoying themselves with a cold beverage. It is great. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter. And Instagram, hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Go check out all the other content that you might have missed on the channel now on the homepage. I got 3,600 people in here, man. Why do I only see 895 likes? This should be, I'm telling you guys right now, this should be 1,500 minimum on that thumbs up. Let me know what you guys think down below. In the comments, let me know what you guys think via Super Chat. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. We'll have our cold beverages. We'll listen to some good tunes. We'll talk money in the bank or whatever you guys want to talk about. Super Chats are open. Get them on in. Hit that join button. Become an OTS VIP right here on Off The Scripts. Channel members, you guys get you guys get those emotes and those custom badges next to your name. Make sure you hit that join button. It is a great place to be. Great time always had in the VIP section right here in the OTS venue on Off The Script. Go get your t-shirts, bonfire.com, the exclusive home of Off The Script. And make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. Can't forget that. We just hit 134,000. And we're on our way to 135. All thanks to you guys. Thank you so very much. And today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Manscaped. After what you saw last night, man, with the maximum male models, Marseille and the Mansoir. You got to look like them, right? We got to all look like Mansoir. His Mansoir jocked, man. Oh, my goodness. You guys can look that way and feel that way by using Manscaped. Manscaped.com. You guys are going to use that code SCRIPT20 at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. I want to thank Manscaped for sponsoring tonight's great Money in the Bank post show right here on OTS. Mansoir. God, that shit was terrible. That shit is going to bomb. Speaking of failures, that is going to fail, man. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen with the maximum male models? They're going to fucking bomb so badly, and LA Knight does not deserve that. He will be the one blamed, and they'll all get released. That's exactly what I see happening with the maximum male models, Mansoir and Marseille. He's going to get it over, man. He's at least going to try. WWE tried tonight with Money in the Bank, man. We started the show off with the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Liv Morgan, Asuka, Alexa Bliss, Raquel Rodriguez, Lacey Evans, Shotzi Blackheart, and Becky Lynch. 
I may be in the minority here, man. I may, yes, I will be titillating your guilty pleasures. Titillating the juices of your guilty pleasures. This ladder match, for me, was not titillating at all, and I did not find this pleasurable. I may be in the minority here, man, but I thought this was one of the worst women's ladder matches in company history. And I feel like that's a regular thing on a yearly basis that I say. I don't remember last year's outside of the one time that I watched it when it was live, but I feel like this match was a lot worse than last year for some reason. This match was not good. This match was a clusterfuck. It was a lot, a lot of miscommunication and a lot of botch in this match. And I want to focus primarily on Shotzi Blackheart, man. I'm a Shotzi Blackheart guy. I thought she was great in NXT. I thought Triple H was using her in a way where I thought she was going to be legitimately the next breakout star in WWE when it comes to the women's division. I don't know what it is. And I've been keeping a very close eye on Shotzi Blackheart for the last couple of times she's been on TV. WWE right now is at a point where they are forced to use her because they don't really have anybody else on Friday night. So Shotzi is basically on TV because WWE is so void of talent in that division that they need her on television just for the sake of filling TV time in that women's division because they have nobody else right now. Ronda, I don't know what's going on with her. Bailey's out. Charlotte's out. So she found her way onto TV because Charlotte primarily is not there anymore for now. Everything she's doing is under the microscope. And I don't feel like Shotzi is where she needs to be on the WWE main roster. I I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What I fear with Shotzi is that everything that we've seen and the mistakes that have been made and the sloppiness of her matches and tonight botch after botch after botch in a ladder match. This may be her first WWE ladder match. I'm not going to hold it against her. I don't know what it is, but you would think that she would be as far along as anybody else. With the amount of years she's been doing this, I can't pinpoint it. Is it nerves? Is it the fact that it was her first Money in the Bank ladder match? Is she still nervous on the main roster? Is she nervous about holding up or holding on to her end of the deal when it comes to women's wrestling and 
being in there with all these other major names. She can't really cut it. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I, I genuinely feel bad for her because I know she's not as bad as what we have saw of her in recent weeks. And I do fear that what we've seen over the last three, four, five weeks with the sloppiness of her work, when there is a budget cut ready to be made on the main roster, I do feel that Shotzi Blackheart will be a part of those budget cuts just based on the body of her work. I don't know if WWE's paying attention or not, but she does not look good out there. She does not. She looked terrible in this match. It was so bad that it was the spotlight to me, of this entire match, how bad she looked. Other than that, the match was a clusterfuck. There was nothing memorable about this match. There was nothing overly crazy about this match. There are women in there that have been in Money in the Bank ladder matches before, but not necessarily good at Money in the Bank ladder matches. None of it was memorable. Now, you guys think, well, J.D., it's supposed to be a car crash. Great. But there is a clusterfuck car crash, and there is a contained chaos car crash. The men's Money in the Bank ladder match was a contained chaos. Everything went off as planned. It looked great. Everything was carnage and chaos, and it was a beautiful chaos and carnage. The women, I felt like they tried to do spot after spot after spot, and nothing seemingly worked out. Everything just kind of fell flat on its face. Alexa Bliss almost got fucking killed by Shotzi Blackheart in this match. Shotzi missed moves off the ladder, trying to run up the ladder, doing DDTs on the ladder. Becky Lynch didn't have a good night at all either, taking bumps and almost afraid to be taking bumps in a ladder match. It almost seemed like nobody really wanted to be there or was not excited to be there. Raquel had a good match. Asuka had a good match. But that's as far as I could say about anybody in this match, and those are the only two women that really stood out to me. I thought this match sucked. I thought it sucked. Liv Morgan was okay. She won the match, and she didn't really have a great match, but she was all right. She did her shit in there. So, we got Asuka and Becky Lynch starting this thing because everybody else ran out. As soon as the bell rang, they went to go get ladders, and Asuka and Becky Lynch were in the ring together. They fought over the ladders as Lynch and Asuka went one-on-one. Asuka tried to set up a ladder, but Lynch cut her off. Becky Lynch got loud Becky chants in Las Vegas, so I guess Las Vegas is a Becky Lynch town. Asuka dropped Lynch and Morgan onto a ladder. Uh, this looked sloppy. They were just laying there face, face first on the ladders while uh, Asuka was about to do something. Raquel Rodriguez comes over. <laughs> Smiley Raquel walks down the... She even climbed the ladder several times, smiling. <laughs> climbing the ladder. Smiling all over the place, man. Get hit with the ladder in the fucking midsection. Oh, <laughs> Get knocked out of the ring. Oh, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Everywhere she goes, man, smiling, smiling all over the place. Seriously. You ever watch, you ever watch uh, Anchorman where uh, Jack Black is on the motorcycle and he kicks the fucking dog over the goddamn bridge? If Raquel Rodriguez was Ron Burgundy... And he was, or she was, watching the dog fly over the fucking bridge as Jack Black was kicking the fucking thing over the goddamn bridge into the water. <laughs> Just watching the dog fly over the fucking bridge. That's, that's what Raquel Rodriguez is, man. Smiling, no matter what happens, no matter what situation she is, smiling all over the place. 
So Raquel Rodriguez, she cleared the ring, tried to pick up the ladder with Liv Morgan and Becky Lynch. Morgan and Lynch then worked together and set up a double suplex. Rodriguez, Gonzalez, whatever the fuck you want to call her, reversed and suplexed them both onto the ladder. So Rodriguez ended up wedged between the ladder and a corner. Shotzi tried running up the ladder, but fucking botched whatever she was trying to do. It looked awful. Everyone ended up on the ladder. Lynch came off the fucking second rope and did a leg drop to everybody that was hanging off this ladder. That looked, that did not look good. So we got everybody in the corner here. And Bliss then took everybody out as she climbed the top rope. They were getting off the ladder. She did this weak-looking somersault splash. So Bliss set up a ladder. Rodriguez cut her off. Bliss fought back, sent her into the ladder. Bliss trapped Rodriguez between the ladder and corner once again. Asuka then dropped Shotzi on the ladder. Asuka and Evans climbed the ladder, but Lynch then tipped it over. Asuka, I will say, man, Asuka's offense is... Looking very good. I will say that, man. Asuka and that little spurt of offense that where she does those spinning back fic, uh, fists and then the hip attack and then whatever kicks that she does, man. That little that little spurt of offense, that quick offense by Asuka is quickly becoming some of my favorite in the women's division, man. It's very explosive and it gets the crowd really going. I love it. So Lynch tipped the ladder over. Asuka and Lacey Evans... Started climbing the ladder. Fans started booing Lacey Evans. She is just downright awful. Shotzi pulled her off. Fans began to start cheering because they don't want Lacey Evans to win this thing. Evans knocked down Shotzi and was alone on the top of the ladder. Oh, no. Oh, no. Fans started booing. Rodriguez came between Evans and the ladder. Morgan then climbed up to a huge ovation from the Las Vegas crowd. Morgan gave Evans a sunset bomb going over Rodriguez, who had Lacey Evans on her shoulders. So Liv Morgan with the sunset bomb down below. Bliss tried to climb up. Shotzi got her in an electric chair. Shotzi tried uh, driving Bliss into the ladder while on her shoulders. But the ladder fell over and Shotzi tripped with Alexa Bliss on her shoulders and both crashed hard onto a, a, another ladder that was hanging on the ropes. This did not look good. This did not look good at all. Uh, she could have seriously injured Alexa Bliss by that little misstep there in this ladder match. Shotzi missed a senton and a scary looking spot, hit the back of her head on a ladder. She did not have a good night, man. I hope she's all right. She did not have a good night at all. Asuka then took out Lynch with a, a pair of kicks. Rodriguez and Asuka fought around ringside. Rodriguez set up a ladder bridge. She started to clear the announce table off. She set up a ladder bridge on the announce desk and the ring apron. And they fought on the table and teased a powerbomb spot, did her and Asuka. So Asuka ended up on the ladder bridge. Lynch then comes over and takes control of the situation. She climbs up the ladder, another big ladder. And she does a seated senton off the ladder on top of Asuka. And it looked like Asuka took the worst of this for sure. Uh, right into her midsection came Becky Lynch backside down. Could have broken a rib. Could, could have knocked the wind out of her. It did not look like a good spot at all. Not impactful. Very risky. Very lazy. And Asuka could have been seriously hurt by doing this stupid stunt here in the ladder match. Fans enjoyed it, though. This is awesome chance ringing out in Las Vegas. 
So in the ring now, there are three ladders. Evans and Bliss fought on one ladder. Shotzi and Rodriguez on the other. Lynch pushed over both ladders and started climbing up. This is where I thought Becky Lynch was going to win the match. Liv Morgan jumped back in, coming out of nowhere. Cut off Lynch. She climbed up the second ladder. Becky Lynch, on her ladder, pushed Lynch, uh, pushed Liv Morgan's ladder over, and it started to tip over. Liv Morgan blocked the ladder from falling over by putting her foot on the top rope, kicked off the top rope, put the ladder back in position, and she knocked Lynch down and pulled up the briefcase for massive ovation in Las Vegas. She pulls it down, and she wins money in the bank. Liv Morgan crying. She cried when she made her ring entrance, kind of gave away the ending a little bit. I'm like, what the fuck are you crying for? She ends up winning money in the bank here, deservedly so. Becky Lynch flipping out as if she lost her fucking golden ring in the cave. My little hobbitses, my precious! What happened to my precious, my little hobbitses? Screaming at ringside is Becky Lynch. Unbelievable. I don't know what's going to happen with Becky Lynch on Monday Night Raw going after Bianca Belair. I, I don't know. I, I would be shocked if they don't do that match at SummerSlam. Crying and complaining and screaming at ringside. People are there photographing her. Ridiculous. Liv Morgan wins. Sloppy match. Nothing, nothing, nothing memorable about it. And she deserved to win it. At the end, Liv Morgan deserved to win it. I thought they were going to go with Becky Lynch. I thought Becky Lynch was the... One and only winner of this Money in the Bank ladder match. And WWE, they proved us wrong. They, they made everybody who predicted everybody else, Alexa Bliss, Lacey Evans, Becky Lynch, Liv Morgan got it. Everybody predicted wrong, and WWE made everybody look stupid. But that's what they usually do. Like I said in the beginning, they love to make everybody look stupid. Ha, ha, ha. Everybody thinks this is going to happen. We'll go this way, and then uh, we'll make everybody look stupid, and then we'll take it away from Liv Morgan and put it back on who we want it on anyway. I hope that's not the case. But like I said, don't get excited about Liv Morgan winning the money in the bank because Charlotte Flair is looming. Bailey is looming. And... If those two women are coming back, I can't see Liv Morgan surviving as SmackDown Women's Champion. So enjoy it while you can, because it's not going to last. Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory. This is for the United States Championship. This was the second match on the Money in the Bank show tonight. I think, and I know a lot of people agree with me here, Bobby Lashley's entrance to me is probably one of the best in all of WWE. I think it's great. It really makes him look like a fucking superstar, man. So whoever concocted this entrance with the podium, he never used to have the podium. He never used to stand there doing this on the podium, you know, crossing his arms and the fucking fireworks go off. And it's just a great entrance, man. I really enjoy Bobby Lashley's entrance. So we got Austin Theory and Bobby Lashley. This match was very good. I will say that. The build to this match was not very good. All we got was Pozoff's and baby oil. We didn't really get anything here outside of Pozoff's baby oil and fucking gauntlet matches where Bobby Lashley had to beat multiple opponents in the same night to get this United States Championship match against Austin Theory. I did not think the outcome that we got tonight in this match was going to be the outcome that we got. I absolutely had Austin Theory winning this match, or if not winning this match, at least retaining the title via a countout or disqualification 
or some fuck finish that WWE was going to come up with. They gave you a clean one, two, three, no doubt about it, simple as simple could be, ending this match. And Bobby Lashley is the new United States champion. Why did Bobby Lashley win the United States championship? I don't know. They touted Austin Theory as being the youngest United States champion of all time. They touted him as Vince McMahon's protege, and he's the new United States champion, and he had that little interaction with John Cena on Monday Night Raw with Cena coming back celebrating 20 years. Bobby Lashley won the United States championship because I do think, I didn't think we were going to get the match coming out of Monday. I thought John Cena, John Cena left a lot to be desired on Monday night. It didn't really sound like he was going to be back relatively soon. He came back to celebrate his birthday, being there 20 years with the WWE. He shilled the then, now, together, forever bullshit that they do at the beginning in that vignette that they show at the beginning of their shows. And he said, I will be back in the WWE ring. I just don't know when. John Cena and Austin Theory is rumored for SummerSlam. Coming out of Monday Night Raw, I didn't think with what we got with John Cena, we were going to get that match. Now, with WWE needing to sell out Nissan Stadium for SummerSlam, and John Cena being on Monday Night Raw and announced for Monday Night Raw this past Monday, moving 4,000 additional seats with the announcement of John Cena being announced for Monday Night Raw, selling out Monday Night Raw on Monday. I don't understand why WWE... Or I wouldn't understand, I should say. I wouldn't understand if WWE is not going to do the same thing for SummerSlam and put John Cena on SummerSlam's card, announce him against Theory at SummerSlam, and help move tickets that they obviously need to move because they're nowhere near a sellout for Nissan Stadium and SummerSlam. Austin Theory lost this championship tonight because I do think that WWE is going to go and move forward with John Cena and Austin Theory at SummerSlam because... I don't know what else Austin Theory does at SummerSlam. I don't. Bobby Lashley clearly is moving on to something else. Austin Theory has nothing to do with the United States Championship anymore. He couldn't give a shit about the United States Championship. He is now Mr. Money in the Bank. He's going after the World Championship. He don't give a fuck what Bobby Lashley does anymore. He's on a different, he's on a different pay scale now. So Bobby Lashley, I don't know. I don't know. But Austin Theory, I do think we get John Cena and Austin Theory at SummerSlam one-on-one, a match that didn't need the United States Championship attached to it in the first place. So now WWE has even more of a reason to do that match. Is the briefcase going to be on the line? I don't know. Maybe WWE sells us a story for the next four weeks. WWE better have John Cena show up on Monday night or at least announce John Cena is going to be at SummerSlam. We got SummerSlam happening on July 30th. It will be Right here, before you know it, two pay-per-views this month. Good for me, I guess. Right, Good for everybody who's a YouTube content creator, but we got two major pay-per-views this month, man. We got Money in the Bank, and we got SummerSlam at the end of the month. Maybe John Cena and WWE tells the story of John Cena chasing Austin Theory by winning the Money in the Bank briefcase and putting that Money in the Bank briefcase on the line to John Cena at SummerSlam. And John Cena wins the Money in the Bank briefcase and then cashes in and gets... Number 17. It's a possibility. How, how likely that is, I don't know. Maybe they gave Austin Theory the Money in the Bank briefcase tonight 
because they want to tell that story. I highly doubt it. I don't think that they're going to do that. I don't think that's in the works, but it's a possibility. Austin Theory won tonight, dropped the United States Championship to win money in the bank tonight to put the money in the bank briefcase on the line against John Cena when he's coaxed into a money in the bank match at SummerSlam. And then Cena has it in his possession and uses it maybe the same night against either Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. I don't know. I don't know. Again, not the way I'd do it. I wouldn't have even given Austin Theory the money in the bank briefcase. But here we are. Here we are. This match was very good. Austin Theory is very good. Austin Theory is great. This was Bobby Lashley's best match all year. This might have been Austin Theory's best match all year. He is very good. And I am not a big Bobby Lashley in-ring guy. The one thing that I do not like about Bobby Lashley is his in-ring work. He's okay. But he's not, oh my God, blow me away great. He had a great match with Austin Theory. And Austin Theory brought Bobby Lashley to a great match. I enjoyed this for the 11 minutes that it was. He's very over in Las Vegas. Theory ran at Lashley, but he slammed Theory down with a choke slam. He set up for a spear, but Theory rolled out of the ring. Lashley tried to do- uh, drive Theory into the ring post. Theory blocked it, drove Lashley into the ring post instead. We got loud. Theory sucks chance in Las Vegas. Theory jumped off the apron. Lashley tried to catch him, but he fell and then picked him up anyway, recovered, and drove Theory into the ring post, made a huge, loud crashing sound in the MGM Grand. Lashley went for a spear again, but Theory dropped down and he went into a fetal position and he was afraid. He tried to coax Bobby Lashley into a false sense of security here and tried to trick him and put the boots to him while he was in the fetal position. And it worked. Theory took over. He dropped Lashley in the corner, followed up with a running clothesline. Theory hit a left hand. He went for a cover, only got a one count. Not going to be enough to take down the almighty. He then hit a super kick from the apron for another near fall. Theory started to slow the pace down. And what do I usually say on the podcast, folks? What do I usually say on the podcast? When WWE slows a match down, what do they slow that match down with, man? The fucking chin lock. And that's exactly what Austin Theory did. He slowed the match down with the chin lock. Lashley escaped. He went for a hurt lock. Theory slipped out of the hurt lock. Lashley took over. Lashley was... Going on an offensive attack, he set up for a suplex. Theory slipped out of the suplex and once again rolled out of the ring. Theory went for his uh, signature rolling dropkick. He rolls through the ropes, dropkick. In a fantastic spot. In mid-roll, Lashley caught him in a press slam and lifted him up in the air. It looked great. Slammed him down, went for a cover, only got a two count. Theory regained control and hit a spear. He went for his finishing move, the A-Town down. Lashley escapes. He then locked in the Hurt Lock, and Austin Theory tapped out. Huge pop for Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley wins the United States Championship. Where do we go from here with the United States Championship? I don't know. I don't know. Bobby Lashley's basically wrestled everybody on that show. What does Bobby Lashley do with the United States Championship, and who do they put that United States Championship on the line against? We have guys like Damian Priest. We got guys like Finn Balor. We got AJ Styles. But is there, and Chad Gable? Maybe Chad Gable versus Bobby Lashley. 
for the United States Championship. I don't know. Right now, WWE and their roster problems are very, very, very apparent. Bobby Lashley basically ran through everybody on that show. I, I don't know who else is on Monday Night Raw that would really be a good matchup for Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam for the United States Championship. We got Tommaso Ciampa. We got, I think he's a great choice. Miz is going to be with uh, Logan Paul. They've already announced that match, all but confirmed for that match. Maybe it's Champa. Maybe it's Champa. I'd love to see Tommaso Champa get involved and wrestle Bobby Lashley. I think that'd be a great match. I'd love to see Tommaso Champa as a United States champion. Maybe we get Veer. Veer's another one. That's a good. That's a good one. Salvatore in the chat. I see you. Veer, maybe we get Bobby Lashley versus Veer for the United States Championship. That could be intriguing. Bobby Lashley's a very over babyface right now. Veer, they're pushing him as a heel. So we could see Veer and Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam for the United States Championship. I think that'd be great. I think that'd be great. I don't know what they're going to sell us on as far as story, but if WWE is using this as a platform for Bobby Lashley to hold the title to drop it to Veer at SummerSlam, I don't think I'm opposed to that. So we'll see what happens. But Austin Theory dropped the United States Championship. We did not know then what we saw at the end of the night. He traded in the United States Championship for a nice, shiny briefcase and money in the bank. Sarah Schreiber, she interviewed Liv Morgan. She asked about potentially cashing in. When will she cash in? Who will she cash in on? She noted that she has a year to cash in the briefcase. Morgan doesn't want to mess it up as she only has one opportunity and feels WrestleMania is a good time to cash in. For now, she just wants to celebrate. So she kind of trolled us all. I'm going to hold this till WrestleMania. She did not. Bianca Belair, the Raw Women's Champion. She defended the title tonight against Carmella. This was a match that was not originally scheduled for this pay-per-view as Bianca Belair was set to defend the title against Rhea Ripley at Money in the Bank. Rhea Ripley went down with injury. It was, I believe, a tag team match, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe a multi-woman match, if I'm not mistaken. And... There was a spot in this match where she accidentally came off the ropes, bounced off the ropes, and kneed herself in the face. She then was taken off television for a concussion, and she had dental work done because I believe she knocked a couple of her teeth out with the knee to the face. It was awful. It was awful. She's got a brain injury, she said, which is more than likely a concussion, minor concussion. She will be back, and she had to go get dental work and fix the two teeth that she knocked loose off of this one spot that happened a couple of weeks back. So WWE had a fatal five-way. They love their fatal five-ways. Everything's a fatal five-way. Everything's a battle royal now, now as of late. But Carmella won this fatal five-way, and she gets the championship match at Money in the Bank against Bianca Belair. There was a lot of outcry for Carmella because she won this, and she hasn't been on TV. She's been off TV since, I would say, before WrestleMania. A couple of months, at least. She broke up her tag team with Zelina Vega, and she's been off TV. 
She comes back in this Fatal 5-Way with no prior wins for at least the last couple of months, wins this Fatal 5-Way, and gets a women's championship match at Money in the Bank. I don't like that. I think that's a terrible way to go about it. But that's the WWE way. They don't take wins and losses into account. They don't care about wins and losses. They don't care about real momentum. They don't care about featuring people on TV as long as it fits their narrative. They're not going to do Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair in replace of Rhea Ripley. They're not going to do Asuka and Bianca Belair in replace of Rhea Ripley. We've seen that, and we've seen Becky versus Bianca several times before. And plus Becky Lynch, they're not going to do Becky Lynch at Money in the Bank. They would have done it maybe at Allegiant Stadium where there was 50,000 people, but WWE and Becky Lynch do not want that match to happen in front of 12,000 people in the obviously smaller venue. They wanted T-Mobile Arena, but... Tonight, UFC's taking place in Las Vegas, and they couldn't get the T-Mobile arena. Maybe if it was T-Mobile, maybe Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair would have happened. But they went with the safest choice in Carmella, somebody who has not won a fucking match in the last couple of months. Match went seven minutes. Match went seven minutes. This was harmful or harmful. It was harmful to me, but it was harmless and it was quick and to the point, and it did not overstay its welcome. They didn't try to make this match anything on top of what we already thought about this match going in. They didn't overstay their welcome. They didn't do too much. Seven minutes, and Bianca Belair retains the Raw Women's Championship. We've seen this match already at least a few times. Nobody in their right mind thought Carmella was going to win this championship. Carmella had a little bit of advantage early on. Belair avoided Carmella with a backflip off the middle rope. Carmella fought back, went for a tilt-a-whirl, head scissors. Bianca caught her. She blocked it, reversed it into not one but two backbreakers. Carmella took over. She had a Bronco buster in the corner. She went for a cover and got a two-count on Bianca. Belair then got up, went for a slam, but Carmella slipped out from behind. She pulled Belair down by her braid. Belair recovered. And hit a delayed vertical suplex to a big pop. She was doing some uh, some jogging mid-suplex. She followed up with some 10 punches in the corner. Belair missed the tackle on Carmella. She went head first and shoulder first into the ring post. Carmella hit a super kick. And she went for a cover, got a two count. All of a sudden, we get the finish. Carmella slapped Belair in the face. She was talking about... Bianca being the EST, the weakest in WWE, the shittiest in WWE, the lamest in WWE. And she kept saying that Mella is money, only for Bianca to get up. KOD, one, two, three, and that was it. Seven minutes, harmless, quick, and painless, and she retains the Raw Women's Championship. At the end of the match, Carmella jumped Belair, beat her down. Belair struggled to get to her feet. At this point, I thought Liv Morgan was going to cash in on a weakened Bianca Belair, but that was not the case. It was just Carmella acting like a sore loser. Fans booed, and she walked off. Are we getting another match? Probably not. I hope to God not. She lost clean, fair and square. But Carmella got to get her last couple of cheap shots in for being nothing more than a bump in the road on Bianca's road. The SummerSlam. She retains the title, and I'm assuming that we either get Bailey or Becky at SummerSlam. We'll see what happens. Depending on where Bailey goes, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there as a possibility. 
I think Bailey would be great on Monday Night Raw, and I'd love to see Bailey and Bianca again. I'd rather see Bailey and Bianca than Becky and Bianca. I don't want to see that again. I don't know what's going on with Becky. Maybe Becky, maybe Becky is taking a backseat. I have no idea. We got a SummerSlam commercial. They showed clips of Logan Paul training and recapping his signing. Fans were booing. Miz will respond to Logan Paul on Monday Night Raw this coming Monday, 4th of July. You guys missed my extra. I did an extra yesterday on Logan Paul. A lot of people were upset that Logan Paul got signed to WWE. I said this on my extra yesterday. I don't really think it's a big deal. Yes, WWE should be building the future. Yes, WWE should be putting all of that effort and that resource into a Braun Breaker or a Tony D'Angelo or a Carmelo Hayes or a Joe Gacy or whoever else you find to be a big deal in NXT. The future is now. Let's get that future on TV and start building them up slowly but surely. But here they are going out and signing one of the most prominent boxers in the world and one of the biggest YouTube stars on the platform in Logan Paul. This is what WWE does. They rather throw money at mainstream celebrities like Logan Paul than build up internally and create the next Cody Rhodes or the next John Cena or the next Roman Reigns. They want to go out and sign somebody like Logan Paul. How much interest is Logan Paul going to bring with him to WWE? That remains to be seen. Nobody really ever brings long-lasting interest. The interest maybe is felt here and there or whenever they appear. But WWE, every single time they bring somebody like Logan Paul to television, it's never, oh my God, they're blowing away the ratings. It only happens for ESPN and all the other major news outlets. That's all they want. They want the headline. Logan Paul's the headline. Logan Paul had a great WrestleMania. He did. Would I like to see him in the ring again? Absolutely. We're going to see him in the ring at SummerSlam. We're going to see him in the ring with The Miz. If WWE signed Logan Paul, overexposing him should be the last thing on their mind. If Logan Paul signed the deal where he wrestles at a SummerSlam and at a WrestleMania and shows up and wrestles a major stadium show twice a year, I don't really see it as a big deal. I don't. That's what WWE does. We got to get used to it. If they use him twice a year in major situations, fine. But everybody's acting like Logan Paul is going to win the WWE Championship and Logan Paul is going to be on TV and Logan Paul is going to take a spot away from somebody else that deserves it. I agree with you. If they do that, then I'm going to have a fucking problem. But we don't know how he's going to be used and how WWE is going to utilize him. We don't even know what he's fully capable of of being a full-time performer. He's had a tag team match with The Miz against Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio. He excelled in that. How he's going to do in a one-on-one match with The Miz at SummerSlam, he'll probably kill it. The Miz is one of the safest guys in the entire fucking world. I don't have a problem with it. If WWE gets out of line and starts using him more than, say, an AJ Styles or starts giving him more opportunities because he's Logan Paul over somebody that's there full-time, then I'll have a problem. But if he's there twice a year, three times a year, and wrestles at a WrestleMania, is in a Royal Rumble, is at Summer Scam, I don't have a problem with it. Especially with the way he showcased himself at WrestleMania. It should be fine. Social media had a fucking meltdown. Why? There's nothing to be upset about. It's WWE. You should know them 
better than you know yourself. You know what they're going to do before they even do it. This is what they do. We'll see how it works out. But Miz and Logan Paul is all but confirmed for SummerSlam. This, and I want you guys to think about this, too. You know, look at SummerSlam's card. We got Logan Paul and The Miz, and we got Pat McAfee versus Baron Corbin. On paper, that doesn't really look good for WWE's roster. It doesn't. Logan Paul and Pat McAfee, they're not actual professional wrestlers. They're not the future of the company. Those spots, those matches could easily be given to somebody that they write stories for, that they want to build up, somebody new, somebody fresh, somebody exciting, right? The future of the company. You look at that on paper and you see Logan Paul and Pat McAfee in two individual matches at SummerSlam. It really doesn't look good from an outsider's perspective on WWE's talent roster. But if they use him twice or three times a year, I'm not going to have a problem with it. We'll see what happens. Alexa Bliss, this was awful. This was awful. Alexa Bliss, they did a backstage promo where she walked into her locker room and Lily the doll was sitting there and we had all these clothes hanging up on hangers in Alexa Bliss's locker room. She was talking to the fucking doll. I thought we were over this. Talking to the doll. She asked Lily, where did all these clothes come from? And she's talking to the doll. You bought them, you say. With what money did you buy these clothes? And Lily, apparently, I guess telepathically, is speaking to Alexa Bliss. She tells Alexa Bliss to look in her locker, and she pulls out the WWE credit card from Credit Union, or or whoever is fucking uh, banking now with WWE. She pulls out this credit card. It's nothing more than a credit card commercial. And she shills the credit card and shills the doll. So Alexa Bliss is basically on TV to be a credit card salesman and to sell Lily the doll on WWEshop.com. On-site reports said that the fans absolutely butchered this segment live in the MGM Grand, and rightfully so. It's awful. The Tag Team Championships. We got the Usos and the Street Profits for the undisputed Raw and SmackDown Tag Team titles. The build to this tag team match has been awful. Everything about the tag team division in WWE is awful. The way that they book it is awful. Every single month, no matter what pay-per-view we're going into, without fail, WWE does the same thing. We get two teams, and in this case, it's always going to be the Usos because they're holding both sets of tag team championships. It's going to be the Usos and whoever they're feuding the Usos with. In this case, it's the Street Profits. WWE, every single time, they take the Usos and a challenging team and do singles matches on TV. All we got all month was Jay Uso versus Montez Ford. Jay Uso versus Angelo Dawkins. Jimmy Uso versus Montez Ford. Jimmy Uso versus Angelo Dawkins. We got a tag team match thrown in there where the Street Profits beat the Usos by countout to even get to this point. Lazy. They don't have a tag team division worth shit. And I've said this on my podcast. I've said this on my show. If they actually want to put some effort in the tag team division, they got some damn good fucking tag teams in that company. You got the Usos, and you got the Brawling Brutes, and you got the New Day, and you got Alpha Academy, and you got the Street Profits. You got Judgment Day. 
now together as a group. You got Balor and Priest. You got the new and vicious Viking Raiders, right? You got Los Lotharios. If WWE actually wanted to have a unified fucking division, one division with one set of titles, and we got tag team wrestling on a weekly basis, the way that we usually get tag team wrestling on AEW Dynamite, WWE would be in a position where they have a damn good fucking tag team division. But they don't even try. The build for this match has been fucking terrible. Not taking anything away from both teams. Both teams are great. It's the WWE creative. That sucks. I said this a couple of times on either my Raw or SmackDown post shows. If you give these two teams, and this match I I knew was going to be great. You give these two teams the time to go, they are going to absolutely kill it and have the match of the night. And that's exactly what they did. Not only did the Usos and the Street Profits have match of the night, they probably had match of the year for WWE, tag team match of the year in WWE. This was the best Uso match all year. This was the best Street Profits match all year. And I'm including the Usos and RK-Bro in that discussion. This was better than Usos and RK-Bro. And anytime we got Usos and RK-Bro on television, this was the best tag team match in WWE all year. There was only one right outcome here. Street Profits were not winning this match. The Street Profits were not going to win the tag team championships. But what we got is a possible tease for the Street Profits breaking up. Now, I don't know what is going to happen, and we'll get into that in a second. We got the Usos and Street Profits here. They cut a promo. The Usos did before the match. They cut a promo, promising to retain the titles. Fans broke into, we want the smoke chance. Jimmy and Dawkins start the match. They start the match, and Jimmy shot Dawkins into the ropes, went for a monkey flip. Dawkins avoided a cartwheel, or avoided with a cartwheel. He then hit a spine buster on Jimmy. Ford went for the frog splash, but Jimmy rolled out of the ring. So Ford was doing the suck it. He likes doing the DX suck it. We got a suck it chant from Las Vegas. And Usos gave Dawkins a suplex into the ring post, and they took over the match. A lot of this match, a good chunk of the match, was the Usos beating down Montez Ford. He took a fucking beating, man. The Usos worked this match very slow, very methodical, very Roman Reigns-esque. And it was great. Jimmy Mock Ford went for a Rikishi splash. Dawkins jumped to his feet, rocked Jimmy with a right hand. Ford tagged in, caught Jimmy with a kick to the head. He jumped off the top rope, but Jimmy rocked him with a super kick. He goes for a cover, only gets a two count. They slowed the pace down with you, you guessed it, a chin lock. Always the chin lock, man. You got to look for it. You, you, know, you know it. You'll know it, man. When you see it, you'll reference me and the show. It's always the chin lock. You'll know what I'm talking about. So Jay then knocked Dawkins off the apron with a super kick. Very good tag team wrestling here by the Usos. Dawkins finally, finally, finally got a hot tag after Montez was getting that heel heat brought down upon him. So he got the hot tag. Huge dive to the floor by Dawkins. Followed up with a flying elbow on Jimmy. Dawkins today, big splash and a twisting double underhook DDT for a two count. 
Dawkins then tossed Jimmy in the air, and Ford, this was great. Dawkins tossed Jimmy in the air, and Ford caught him in a back suplex for a near fall. So we got this is awesome chance by Las Vegas. Everybody was enjoying this. Street Profits hit a blockbuster doomsday off the top rope for a very close near fall. Fans thought that was the finish. Angelo Dawkins had a great shot of him. The camera got a great shot of Dawkins just shocked that he did not get the three count. Ford jumped over the ropes. He does that ricochet-like dive over the turnbuckle onto the Usos. Everybody was going crazy. This match took it up to the next level, man. It was awesome. So Ford jumped over the Usos. They caught him with a double super kick for a close near fall back in the ring. And after this, Ford jumped to his feet, ran across the ring, leapt over into the corner. Usos were down. They got the spine buster by Dawkins. Ford went to the top rope, hit the frog splash. Jimmy broke up the pin out of nowhere. So fans are going fight forever, fight forever after the frog splash. Both teams then faced off in the middle of the ring. The Usos went for a handshake. There were no handshakes here. It was all brawling. Usos got rid of Dawkins, took it to Ford with double super kicks again. They then hit the 1D, and literally, I don't know where, man, very anticlimactic. It went from, you know, really kind of picking up the pace, and then all of a sudden we got the ending. We got the Usos 1D for the 1, 2, 3, and, and that was it. That was it. Now, I didn't initially see it until they showed the replay. Commentary team showed the replay, and they went over the replay. Apparently, Graves noticed that Montez Ford's shoulder was up. They showed the replay again, and Jimmy clearly picked up Ford's shoulder on the count. Now, I don't know if this was part of the match and part of the plan after the finish, but WWE really focused in on that. You never know what these types of situations... Was it something that wasn't supposed to be noticed and picked up on? Or did WWE pick up on it because we're going to see another match again at SummerSlam? I don't know. I don't know. But during the Money in the Bank tag team match between the Usos and the Street Profits, Michael Cole, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, Michael Cole alluded to issues between Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. The Street Profits lost this match, taking the 1D, And winning the match with the 1D. Again, they showed the replay. That Ford's shoulder was up and the referee missed it. It appears they will have a rematch. And maybe it happens at SmackDown. Maybe it happens at SummerSlam. I don't know. I don't know. But Michael Cole alluded to issues between Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. What issues? I don't know. But I literally said this whether it was on Monday or Friday, I don't really remember. I think I said it on Friday when we talked about this. There will be one HBK and one Janetti in the Street Profits team. You know who that Janetti title is going to. Montez Ford is a breakout star in WWE. He sounds the part. He looks the part. He even now, even more so than ever before, looks the part. He looks jacked. Whatever he did to get himself in the condition that he's in right now, he's clearly, clearly setting himself up for success as a solo superstar in WWE. What that means for Angelo Dawkins, I don't know. I don't know. But if Michael Cole is already alluding to 
Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins breaking up. I hope that's not the case. If they break up the Street Profits now, I honestly think that's a mistake. I do. They've been NXT Tag Team Champions. They've been Raw Tag Team Champions. They've been SmackDown Tag Team Champions. They've had bangers with the Usos. They've had bangers with the New Day. I don't know what else there is to do with the Street Profits. But giving up on the Street Profits and turning Montez on Angelo Dawkins or Angelo Dawkins on Montez Ford, it speaks volumes of what WWE thinks of tag team wrestling. They have such a great tag team division if they try. And breaking up the Street Profits is not really WWE thinking about making the tag team division better. They just turned the Viking Raiders heel on Friday night. They have not one babyface tag team on Friday night outside the New Day. Now, we don't know what's happening with the Maximum Male Models. We don't know what ha- what's going to happen with Mace and Mansoor, Marseille and Mansoir, if they're going to be a tag team. But if they are a tag team, that's another heel tag team that we talked about last night on Friday as well. That's another heel tag team on Friday night. The only babyface tag team on Friday night with the Usos is the New Day. The Brawling Brutes, heels. Alpha Academy, heels, right? They're on Raw. Alpha Academy, heel. Judgment Day, heels. Los Lotharios, heels. The Viking Raiders, heels. MMM, Maximum Male Models, heels. They got not one babyface tag team in all of WWE outside the Street Profits, and Michael Cole is already alluding to them breaking up. Yeah, we get it. Montez Ford's going to be a breakout singles guy. What happens to Angela Dawkins that, at that point? Might as well future endeavor him. I don't think WWE is going to push Montez Ford uh, over Angelo Dawkins. I don't think Angelo Dawkins is going to get the same treatment as Montez Ford if he goes single. This is doomed to fail for Angelo Dawkins. And that's not right. They are better together right now than it would be for Montez to go single. But it speaks volumes about what WWE thinks of tag team wrestling. Did we get the match again at SummerSlam? I don't know. After what we saw tonight... I'm not going to complain. This was the best match of the entire night. Best tag team match all year in WWE. If they break them up at SummerSlam, that really doesn't bode well for the rest of the division. And Montez Ford, no matter how great he's going to be, I don't want to see WWE waste talent like Montez Ford because they have more aspirations to push Montez as a single over Angelo Dawkins. We'll see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen here. To me, honestly, I won't even go with the Street Profits again at SummerSlam. I would go with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I mean, there's a ready-made storyline in there with Sami Zayn being an honorary oos. All you need to do is tell that story, and we get Kevin Owens to come back as a little buddy, and they go after the Usos, and they win the Tag Team Championships. I think that's a great move. That would be a great match. But I don't know where WWE's going to go. So we may be looking at yet another rematch for SummerSlam between the Usos and the Street Profits. We will see. Speaking of Kevin Owens, we got a Kevin Owens video package. It was pretty much hyping him up and giving him some star treatment, going over how integral of an athlete he's been on WWE television, going over the Kevin Owens show and showing him as the United States champion and showing him as NXT champion and showing him as world champion It was a Kevin Owens hype package. So clearly, they have aspirations for Kevin Owens. I hope that remains the same. I hope that energy is the same coming back when he he, uh, makes his way to television again and comes back. But it was a nice video package just going over how great Kevin Owens really is. 
So we'll see what they do with that. We got another vignette. And this is the one vignette that got everybody talking tonight. So we got this vignette and I watched and I didn't really watch with eagle eyes because you got to watch these things several times over. But during the Money in the Bank pay-per-view after this Kevin Owens vignette package, we got another vignette teasing the return of a debut or a debut or the return or a debut of a mystery man. Now, after this vignette uh, ended, Bray Wyatt and Gable Steveson, WWE's uh, Olympic signee that they debuted at WrestleMania, Stephanie McMahon, you know, it, uh, you know, ushered him out on stage at WrestleMania. Bray Wyatt and Gable Steveson trended online on social media. Many have speculated that this vignette was about Bray Wyatt's return to the company or speculated that it could be Gable Steveson because there were gold medals shown in this vignette. However, it does not point to either Bray Wyatt or Gable Steveson. So in this vignette, we got screenshots of a Texas license plate that said Latino Heat. That was one of the Easter eggs in this vignette. That was an obvious reference to Eddie Guerrero. In another shot, you see taped up glasses, which looks like it's referenced to the Dudley boys. In a third shot, you see gold medals, which are alluding to Kurt Angle. There were also crosses in this vignette, which I'm assuming are references to Christian Cage and armbands shown in this vignette as well that reference the Hardy Boys. All of these names, the Hardys, Christian, Kurt Angle, the Dudleys, Eddie Guerrero, all of these references, all of these names listed are people that Edge has wrestled and beaten throughout his career. So, all that this was, and WrestleVotes even tweeted out, because he, he, whoever is in charge of the WrestleVotes thing, he immediately took, or they immediately took to Twitter and said, if you saw that vignette and got excited, don't. Don't get excited about that vignette. All of this and all the references in this are leading to a return of Edge on TV. And the only thing from me to you guys, the only thing I could really pick up on here and the meaning of this vignette is Edge looking to his past to see his future. Looking into his past to see what he needs to do to build himself a better future after Judgment Day. So if you thought it was Bray Wyatt like I thought, no, I, I don't know if I was the only, I legitimately thought I seen Wyatt just immediately, just, it was like a, a fucking split second. I thought I seen the word or name Wyatt in this, in this vignette. It was not. It was nothing regarding Bray Wyatt. It looked very Bray Wyatt-esque. There was crows and a moon and fucking, it looked like, it looked like something out of the swamp. It looked like it was similar to what, a Bray Wyatt vignette would look like it was dark and gloomy and all this other shit. And I thought I seen the word Wyatt just briefly pop up on my screen, but it was all for not. It's Edge coming back, and I think it's Edge looking into his past 
to build himself a better future after Judgment Day kicked him out of the group. I know, I know, I know everybody's disappointed. I don't really know what's going on with Bray Wyatt. I don't know what's going on with Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt recently just trademarked the name Wyatt Six. Why would Bray Wyatt trademark his own name if he was going back to WWE? That's my, that's my logic there. Would WWE allow him to trademark his own name? I don't think they would ever allow something like that to happen if he was going back to WWE. You know how WWE likes to own you and trademark you and make it about them and not you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Wyatt. Where he shows up, when he shows up, if he shows up. It's honestly, it's honestly painful to hear about all the, all the Bray Wyatt rumors and then nothing happens. He says he's going to come back. He's going to come back when he wants. Do I think he goes to AEW? No, I don't. Do I think he shows up back in WWE? Yes, I do. I think WWE offers him a boatload of money because they need fucking, they need talent. They need superstars. And getting rid of him was the fucking stupidest thing that they possibly could have ever done. But we'll see what happens. All the rumors, always difficult to work with. He was out of shape. He's got mental issues. He's this and that. He's difficult to work with. Creative problems. Got into a back and forth argument with Vince McMahon. He didn't really do him right. He did him dirty. Why would you expect him to just sit there, roll over, and fucking take it up the ass while you ruin his character and give it to somebody else? Of course he was going to fucking be boisterous and vocal about his creative. It was his fucking creation. He went, out of, he went out of his way to create literally everything about it. And then you want to blame him for him being difficult? Of course, anybody would be difficult in that, in that situation. I get it. Everybody wants it to be bright. It's not bright. It's edge. A returning edge is what everybody is leaning towards right now with all the Easter eggs and references in the vignette. Ronda Rousey and Natalia. This was for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This was boring. Ronda Rousey is fucking boring. My God, is she boring. I legitimately had my head in my phone all match. Natalia is a legend. She's great. She's a great wrestler. Is she exciting? Is she interesting? Is she... Oh my God, I can't wait to watch Natalia wrestle. No. There's nothing about Natalia that speaks to me as, oh my God, I can't wait to wa- I can't wait to watch this Natalia match. No. Same thing with Ronda Drowsy. She didn't cut a promo here, so I can't really do the Ronda Drowsy promo voice. But this match was boring. It literally made me drowsy. So Ronda got a decent reaction. She came out smiling, waving. Natalia came out, and they started with some chain wrestling, and they started trading submission holds back and forth. Natalia got the ankle lock on, but Rousey reversed. Natalia rolled through, started to stomp Ronda Rousey's neck. Natalia took over, hit a spinning clothesline for a near fall. She slowed the pace down with a sleeper. Slowed the pace down with the sleeper hold. Not the chin lock, a sleeper hold. We switched it up. They know that I know, and I'm on to their fucking bullshit. So Natalia slowed it, mat- slowed it down. Slowed the match down with a sleeper. 
Natalia locked on an abdominal stretch. Ronda Rousey countered the stretch. Natalia reversed and reversed again into an armbar. Natalia escaped and hit another clothesline. Natalia went and escaped. Ronda Rousey and her offense went for another armbar. Ronda Rousey broke free, locked on a sharpshooter. This was one of the best spots of the entire match. Easily. Probably the spot of the entire match. Ronda Rousey got on a sharpshooter, and while she was in the sharpshooter, she posed like Shawn Michaels doing the uh, the bicep flex and the fucking stretch of the leg that Shawn Michaels used to do before uh, the ring introduction was made in the ring. His pose in the middle of the ring. That's what she did in mid-sharpshooter. I thought it was great. Probably the best thing that Ronda Rousey's done since being back in the WWE. This spot. So she posed like Shawn Michaels. And Natalia made it to the bottom rope to break the sharpshooter. Ronda Rousey went for an armbar. Natalia recovered and sent Rousey to the floor. Rousey hurt her knee on the landing. Natalia then targeted the knee and made that her mission in this match. Locked on a sharpshooter on the apron to Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey counted and sent Natalia into the ring post. Ronda Rousey went for another armbar. Natalia reversed into the sharpshooter. Ronda Rousey broke free and caught Natalia in an armbar, and Natalia taps out. That was it. Liv Morgan's music goes off. Fans pop big for Liv Morgan. Ronda Rousey was trying to get to her feet. Liv Morgan runs in. I don't believe what I'm seeing. I thought this was a fucking troll. She cashed it in. She handed it to the referee. The referee handed it to the timekeeper. We got a legit cash in, and the bell rings. Soon as Liv Morgan gets in the ring, Ronda Rousey puts Liv Morgan in a fucking ankle lock, and I legitimately thought that they were going to beat Liv Morgan on this night with a one-legged Ronda Rousey making her tap out. Thank God that did not happen. Fans went crazy. Bell rang. Ankle lock. Morgan kicked the bad leg out from underneath Ronda, and she rolled Ronda up to win the title. Fans reacted crazy to Liv Morgan winning the championship. After the match was over, Ronda Rousey stood up, took the title, handed the title to Liv Morgan, and hugged Liv Morgan in the middle of the ring. Fans then broke into a you deserve it chant. This was, like I said in the beginning, man, the the best thing that Ronda Rousey did in her entire run back here. Her second run has been a complete failure. This is the best thing that she's done all run. Not the match. The fact that she put over Liv Morgan. The fact that she handed the title over to Liv Morgan. And pretty much I looked at it as a passing of the torch. How long that torch is lit, I don't know. Knowing WWE, they'll blow that motherfucker out within the next fucking three weeks, four weeks, going into SummerSlam. I'm proud of Liv. I'm happy for Liv. I'm not getting excited about it because you know better than anybody. I know better than anybody how WWE operates. I don't think they have a long-term plan for Liv Morgan. And I do think that Liv Morgan drops this title before the summer's over. I would be shocked if WWE has Liv Morgan hold this title past the summer. Another problem is... WWE likes to bust their load very, very quickly. It's been a common issue and a common theme with the women's money in the bank. I legitimately talked about this with somebody 48 hours ago. I said, somebody will win the money in the bank briefcase and we will either get a cash in on the night of or on Monday Night Raw or within the first week of winning the money in the bank briefcase. Whoever it is will cash in that same week. 
without fail, WWE always does the same thing with the women. If anybody ever asks, if anybody ever asks you or, or you have a discussion with somebody about the women's division in WWE, why is it so bad? Why does WWE hate the women's division? Why do you say that the women in WWE, they get neglected and the creative sucks? They, they don't care about the women's division. Look at the way WWE handles the money in the bank cash-ins. If WWE actually cared about booking stories, long-term booking for the women, WWE actually cared about vision and having a plan for the women's division, they would not do what they do every year. Every single time the women have a cash-in, it happens on the night of or the same fucking week. They never hold that briefcase Past the first week, man. They never hold it for a couple of months. I think the last woman to hold it for, the, for as long as she did was fucking Carmella. How many years ago was that? WWE doesn't give a shit about telling long-term stories with the women. And you can just base that off of how they handle the money in the bank briefcase. They bust their load on the night of. They can't wait. Whoever they crown Miss Money in the Bank, they can't wait to get that fucking thing out of the creative's hands and a title onto somebody else or failed cash in for somebody else. Ridiculous. Liv Morgan, she deserves it. Rhonda, goodbye. I hope this is the last of her title run. She's handcuffed that title. She's handicapped that division for far too long. Liv Morgan opening the division up the way It is now as women's champion offers us a lot more than what Ronda Rousey would be able to do with that women's championship. But don't get excited. Don't get excited. The 15 minutes of fame for Liv Morgan is going to be a quick one. I don't want to burst your bubble. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. But Liv Morgan is not going to be a long-term champion. If anything... She's more of a transitional champion for either Charlotte or Bailey, And we don't know what's happening with Naomi and Sasha. For all we know, they could come back. And they were SmackDown superstars. We could get Sasha and Naomi back on the show. And if all of the four horsewomen are back and three of the four of them are on SmackDown, that doesn't really bode well for Liv Morgan and her long-term plan as SmackDown Women's Champion. Enjoy it while you can. It will be over before you could even blink. Men's money in the bank. This is Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Matt Riddle, Sami Zayn, Sheamus, Madcap Moss, Omos, and Riddle. I said Riddle. I said Riddle twice. Sorry. I don't know why I wrote Riddle twice in my notes. This match was great. I thought this ladder match was awesome. The build to it and how we got here and the qualifying matches and how people got into this thing was not so great. WWE's not going to make it feel important. Then I think they should just stop doing qualifying matches. They should just pick who they want in the fucking Money in the Bank ladder match and just call it a day. We got Battle Royals. We got Last Chance Battle Royals. Last, last Chance Fatal Four Ways. Fatal Five Ways. We got a fucking Battle Royal and it meant nothing. Momentum was on the line on Friday night. Adam Pierce comes out. All seven guys are in the ring. Adam Pierce comes out. He walked out and he said, This match is great. Welcome, Las Vegas. It's time to up the ante. It's time to add another addition to this match. 
And he adds Austin Theory to the match. Everybody else had to qualify. And Austin Theory walks in after losing the United States Championship. Everything that you watched on television was wiped away with Austin Theory being included in this match. Not having Theory qualify for money in the bank. Everybody worked hard here. Everybody did what they could. Even Omos. Even the mighty Omos looked great in this match. He didn't do too much. He didn't climb a fucking ladder because he didn't need to. But he looked okay. So all seven guys are in the ring. They faced off. And Austin Theory was added to this thing. Omos had the early advantage. He dominated everybody. He knocked down Moss and Riddle with a ladder. In the ring, Riddle tried for a guillotine. Omos broke free. And McIntyre then took it to Omos with a Claymore kick. Theory tried sneaking up the ladder while everybody else was preoccupied with each other. McIntyre and Sheamus stopped him. McIntyre and Sheamus beat down Theory with the big forearm shots to the chest. McIntyre did it. Sheamus shoved him. Sheamus did the forearm shots to the chest. Drew shoved him. He did it. Sheamus shoved him. Did it. Austin Theory was a fucking literal punching bag. And he rolled out of the ring. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus beat up Austin Theory with these rounds of chest shots to a point where we did not see Austin Theory for the rest of the match. This match went 25 minutes, and Austin Theory was in there for legitimately 30 fucking seconds. That was it. He climbed up the ladder. He got caught being a sniveling fucking prick. They beat the shit out of him. He rolled out of the ring and laid there the entire match. For 24 minutes, Austin Theory did not show face on television until the closing minutes of the, the closing seconds, I should say, the closing seconds of this match, which I will get to at the end. So after Theory was taken out, we got Sami Zayn trying the same thing. He tried to climb up the ladder. Rollins went for a pedigree on the ladder. Riddle backdropped him on the ladder instead. Sami Zayn tried climbing up the ladder. Moss cut him off. Oh, Moss. Oh, Moss. Slowly climbed the ladder up. Omos and McIntyre cut him off. They sent him to the floor. Sheamus and Riddle attacked Omos with ladders at ringside. Everybody then takes a ladder and throws ladders on top of Omos, burying him in a pile of ladders. Rollins, Zayn, and Sheamus climbed up two ladders in the middle of the ring. Theory knocked them down. He showed face here again for a little bit. He was alone at the top. Fans booed. Moss pulled him down, hit a fallaway slam. He finished and got out of the match once again. Zayn ended up on the top rope as Moss set up a ladder on the bottom rope. Zayn jumped over Moss, tried to climb up another ladder. Moss caught Zayn, gave him a unbelievable-looking powerbomb on the ladder. I thought Sami Zayn was fucking dead after that powerbomb by Mad Cat Moss. Sheamus went for a bro kick. Riddle moved out of the way of the bro kick. He then hit the draping DDT using the ladder like Randy Orton usually uses the draping DDT on the ropes. Riddle ran wild. He climbs up the ladder. Everybody's piled up in the center of the ring. He stands on the top of the uh, the very top of the ladder and hits a beautiful floating bro 
awesome spot as he comes down on everybody in the ring. The mighty Omar, she recovered and beat everybody down. Sheamus caught Omos with the bro kick. Sami Zayn followed up with the Huluva kick. Riddle locked on a triangle and Moss threw Omos out. McIntyre was beating up on Omos. He gave him a Glasgow kiss. Rollins hit a stomp on Omos. Sheamus, McIntyre, Zayn, Moss, and Rollins. Massive powerbomb on Omos. They launched this guy through the announce table. Omos was out of the match from this point on. McIntyre then trapped Sheamus underneath the ladder. Started climbing. Butch. Butch ran out. Let me at him. Let me at him, Scoob. Runs down the aisle, does Butch. Jumps on McIntyre's back. Sheamus, he gets up. Takes it to McIntyre with a knee to the face. Sheamus tried climbing up the ladder with McIntyre trapped underneath the ladder. McIntyre pushed Sheamus off. Hit a claymore on Butch. Sheamus and McIntyre fought on top of the ladder. Sami Zayn pushed the ladder over. And they landed on a second ladder in the corner. Zayn climbed up. Moss pushed him off. Rollins pushed over the ladder. Moss took a nasty fall on the way down. Riddle set up the second ladder. Rollins knocked off Riddle and grabbed at the briefcase. Riddle climbed back up and gave Rollins a super RKO off the top of the ladder to a massive pop. Everybody thought this was going to be it. Matt Riddle's going to win money in the bank. Riddle slowly climbed up the ladder. He got his hands on the briefcase. Theory comes back in. For being in the match. The match went 25 minutes. I would be generous if I said Austin Theory spent maybe 90 seconds. Maybe, maybe two minutes total in this entire match. Slept for 20 minutes plus until this very moment. Vince McMahon put Austin Theory in the Money in the Bank ladder match after giving these seven guys... Weeks of television to qualify and stake claim at Money in the Bank. He puts Austin Theory in the Money in the Bank ladder match. It goes 25 minutes. He spends not more than two minutes in the match. And he takes Riddle off the ladder. He pulls down the briefcase. And Austin Theory is crowned Mr. Money in the Bank. This shit, the ending, ruined what was a fantastic men's Money in the Bank ladder match. I said it in the beginning, and I'm going to say it again. You guys want my opinion. You go back and watch whatever they did at this stage of the pay-per-view, giving Austin Theory the money in the bank. Go back and listen to my rant on why I do not like this decision. This is not WWE creating new stars. It's not. I'm not saying that Austin Theory should not be built up as a new star. I, I would love if Austin Theory is built up as the next major guy in WWE. But not in the year 2022. Not at Money in the Bank. Not by winning Money in the Bank. And not tonight. Austin Theory is not ready. It is not his time. It is not his place. With Cody Rhodes going down, it should have even further facilitated and got the ball rolling. Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins bringing the WWE title back to Monday Night Raw or Matt Riddle taking the WWE title back to Monday Night Raw. You have two stories being told there with Cody and Randy Orton being out 
and Rollins or Riddle being the recipient of their returns when the time is right. Orton versus Riddle for the world title, or Orton taking the title from Riddle, only for Cody to take the title from Orton, or Rollins holding the title on Monday night and holding the title and winning the title that Cody Rhodes has made a priority since his return at WrestleMania, only for Cody to beat Rollins at WrestleMania. Those two stories. Those two stories were the only things that should have been on WWE's plate, and they gave it to Austin Theory because of political bullshit, because they feel like they're building somebody new. They feel like they got the youth movement going with Austin Theory, but all they did, and it's felt and heard all over social media already. I know WEW doesn't give a shit about social media. They don't care what we say on social media, but the fan reaction was all I needed in that MGM grant tonight. With Austin Theory winning that, that Money in the Bank briefcase, it is WEW taking the plunger and shoving it down our throats And they are saying, this is our guy. This is going to be our guy. Get used to it. There's nothing that you can do or say to change our minds. That's not right. You are just committing the same mistake again that you made with Roman Reigns for seven years. And you're already starting off on the wrong foot with Austin Theory by giving him that win tonight. And fucking retards on social media are claiming that this is WWE building up new stars. It's not. It's not. Austin Theory... When he would be ready, maybe next year. But you got to get the ball rolling with somebody like a Rollins or somebody like a Cody or somebody like that to win the world championship and then have Austin Theory feed off somebody like that. And one of those guys, one of the top guys, make Austin Theory into that next guy. Vince McMahon making Austin Theory into the next guy by picking him to be a money in the bank after all these weeks of television and all the struggle these guys had to go through to have him sit out 24 minutes of this match and be in the match two minutes to give a money in the bank briefcase. That is not going to go over well. It's not. WWE did Austin, Austin Theory tonight very, very dirty. And that's not really... What I expected to have happen tonight. It's not predictable. It's stupid. It's not right. It's wrong. It's not right. It's not his time. It's not. Austin Theory should have not won money in the bank. That should have been reserved for either Matt Riddle or Seth Rollins. WWE once again refuses to get involved with long-term booking. Austin Theory would have been fine if he wrestled John Cena at SummerSlam and beat John Cena. I would have taken that over him winning Money in the Bank seven days out of seven days of the week. Now that he's Money in the Bank, it's all but confirmed that he's going to win the WWE Championship. They put him in the match as the eighth guy unannounced for him to win it. Why would they put him in it if they didn't want to give him the match? And why did they give him Money in the Bank if they're not going to make him WWE Champion? Is he going to pin Brock Lesnar? Is Brock Lesnar going to beat Roman Reigns at SummerSlam? I remember this guy was in the Elimination Chamber and Brock Lesnar absolutely devastated him inside the Elimination Chamber. Is WWE going to have Austin Theory pin Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam and win both the WWE and Universal titles in some revenge plot? I don't see how this makes any sense. I really don't. How this makes sense over Rollins and, and Riddle, I'm not seeing it. I don't see how anybody could get behind theory over Riddle and over Rollins. This is basically Vince McMahon's fucking 
lustful imagination. This is Vince McMahon getting a hard-on for his boy Austin Theory while ignoring long-term booking, ignoring the right in Riddle, ignoring the right in Seth Rollins to get off on some sick fucking fantasy in Austin Theory. I don't know, man. I didn't enjoy that at all. I think that's wrong. Otherwise, I thought Money in the Bank was a very, very good and enjoyable pay-per-view tonight. Guys, we had 3,400 max in the venue tonight. I appreciate you guys so very much, man. Were we number one? Oh, you better fucking believe we were number one, man. Thank you guys very much. I asked for 1,500 likes. You guys are 50 away from 1,500, man. Can you go and hit that thumbs up for me if you have not done so? Hit that thumbs up and let's get to 1,500 likes minimum on today's OTS for this Money in the Bank post show from the OTS venue. Today's show sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped.com and their new, their new slogan this month is you got Bush. I know you guys got Bush, man. You guys got to be like Mansois and Massey. Take control of your Bush. It's very important, man. These products are so good that you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you guys will have the best-kept nutsack in all of the land. You may be a maximum male model at the end of all this. Who the fuck knows, man? You may be enlisted by Max Dupree at the end of this. Save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code SCRIPT20. SCRIPT20 at checkout. Manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping. Awesome. You guys are going to get the lawnmower 4.0, man. Their signature electric trimmer and a Bush's worst nightmare. This trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin thanks to their ceramic blade and advanced skin-safe technology. No need for night vision goggles with this one. It also includes an LED light to allow you to mow in the dark or mow that lawn in the dark. Also, you guys are going to get the Weed Whacker. It's a fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer. That will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. You guys are going to get the Crop Preserver, their ball deodorant, their Crop Reviner, their ball spray, their ball toner. And you guys are going to get two free gifts, man. The Shed Travel Bag and High Performance Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. Awesome. So make sure you guys sign up, man. Manscaped.com. Code SCRIPT20 at checkout. 20% off and free shipping included when you use our code It's time to level up. Time to level up your game this summer, man, and become a maximum male model with the ultimate bushwhacking tools for the job. That's manscaped.com. And I want to thank them for supporting the show tonight, man. Money in the bank. Awesome. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications and follow me on social media, man. Thank you for 41,000 strong on Twitter. At JD from NY206. Eric Newton with a $10 super chat right at the top. Have a happy 4th of July, JD, and chat. 
I mistakenly hit unsubscribe when I meant to go to a different button on my browser this morning. So I'll see you guys in the chat in four weeks. I'm sorry, brother. Eric Newton, I'm sorry, man. I hate using the four weeks to chat in the chat, but I have to, man. It keeps the trolls away, and it keeps them at bay. I have to do it. Tony Brown, 499 Super Chat. I saw meat tonight, Bianca. You know it, brother. There was not much meat on tonight's show, Tony Brown. I'm sorry, man. But listen, man, we got Wednesday. We got Thunderstorm. Thunder Rose and Tony Storm teaming up on Wednesday's Dynamite, man. Talk about booty meat. Oh, my goodness. Joseph Taylor with a five-dollar super chat. Money in the Bank was a fun pay-per-view until Austin Theory won. I agree with you, Joseph Taylor. I agree with you, bro. Very good show tonight. Alex Perez with a one ninety nine super chat. Money in the bank lived up to my expectations and more. Well, Alex, that's what happens when the build is so terrible. When the build is so lackluster, man. WWE gets you down. And there's no way the pay-per-view could be as worse as what we saw leading into it. Ricardo Linnell with a final super chat. He says, goodbye, Ronda Lousy. Goodbye, Rhonda. Nobody's going to miss you. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Did Theory become Vince McMahon's ball tickler? POV was BS. I guess uh, I guess he did, Michelle. I have no idea. But all we know is Vince McMahon loves his Austin Theory, man. Vince has a theory in Austin. Jack Lou with a 999 Super Chat. The corporate theory, he says. Yeah. The corporate theory for sure, man. Tony Brown with a 499 Super Chat. Women's money in the bank had sweet meat. I don't know, man. Alexa, maybe. Shotzi, maybe. It's not the same caliber meat we see on AEW Dynamite, bro. WWE's got some booty meat, but not as good as Dynamite. Jeremy Harris with a $5 Super Chat. JD, really, the pay-per-view was pretty good, but WWE has to put their fucked-up twist to it. Shaking my damn head. I hear you, brother. I hear you, Jeremy, man. Uh, Listen, for every right that they do, they are... They are just ridiculous, man. They they, they always got to fuck something up. They always got to fuck something up. Thank you guys for becoming members, man. I appreciate you guys very much. You guys are awesome. Uh, the coach with a $2 super chat. Where they go with theory after winning money in the bank. I have no idea, brother. I have no idea where they go with Austin Theory. Somewhere, I don't really want to know where they go. 
Charles Jerome and Go Dogs 7098 becomes a member. Go Dogs and Charles become members tonight in the OTS venue. Thank you guys very much, man. What the fuck are you guys drinking tonight? That's what I want to know. What are you guys drinking tonight, man? You like whiskey? You like gin? You like vodka? What do you like? Tequila? We got it all, man. Joseph Taylor with a final super chat. In the words of Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. Congratulations, Liv Morgan. The coach with a $2 super chat. Think Raquel Rodriguez can be saved if they give her a manager. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think Raquel will be fine. Now that Ronda Rousey is not the women's champion, I think everybody will be fine on SmackDown. Like I said, it opens up a a world of possibilities. We got 16-month membership. I don't know if that's you, Ricardo. I don't know why it doesn't show anything. 16-month membership. It doesn't give me a membership here. Ricardo, I, I don't see your membership, bro. I'm looking at it right now. I don't see you here, man. Are you 16 months? If that's you, brother, I'm sorry. I don't know. It's a YouTube thing, man. Stupid Stars Music with the 499 Super Chat. I've been saying Sammy should have won money in the bank since they could have had fun with the story. Could have turned in babyface. Like theory, but too soon for it. Yeah, man, I love Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn's one of the best things about SmackDown. Having him win money in the bank, I wouldn't have minded it, but it's not the best story to be told. Yeah, Ricardo, I do not see... Unless it, it comes later in the stream, bro. I do not see it here, brother. And I even went into my settings, bro. I do not see it here. And there's no message from you at all either. Let me see. Let me refresh my screen. Yeah, man, there's nothing here. There's nothing here, bro. It's got to be a YouTube thing, brother. A man of culture. For the 499 Super Chat. Somebody got to do something about that industry plant theory. Bro, has go-away heat so bad? If people leaving the arena didn't tell you, then I don't know. Yeah, man. Too soon, bro. Way too soon for it. Go dogs with a fight out Super Chat. Congrats to Liv Morgan on becoming the SmackDown Women's Champion. I hope she has a decent title on, but it's WWE we are talking about, so who knows? Brother, don't get ahead of yourself, man. Do not get excited, man. We will see what happens. I am surprised it happened tonight. I'll be shocked if it lasts past the summer. 
Dan's Productions with a one eye not super chat. Make sense of this, please, JD. WWE ruined it. Bro, I can't make sense of it. All I could do is speak from wisdom, bro. JP5150 with a five dollar super chat. Wow, bro. A political agenda in plain sight. Absolutely nobody saw that ending coming. Apparently, I'll have a liquid death bury it alive at the venue. You got it, brother. We got all versions of liquid death here because it's my drink of choice when I'm not drinking alcohol. Richard Ho with a new membership. Thank you, Richard. What are you drinking tonight, brother? Christy Wilson with a one night tonight super chat. Happy for live, pissed about theory. I think everybody feels that same way, Christy. Richard with a $5 super chat. Definitely disappointed about the addition and win for Theory. I don't see where this is going. Is there any potential for long-term booking with this? No. No. There's no no potential for long-term booking with this at all. Unless they have Theory hold the briefcase until fucking WrestleMania, which I, I would not, I would not really advise. Joseph Taylor with a five dollar super chat. Austin Theory winning Money in the Bank is another reason why AEW is better. I don't need Austin Theory winning the Money in the Bank briefcase to say AEW is better. Joseph, AEW is just better. Everything they do is better. Hologram with a five dollar super chat. I forgot my I forgot about Money in the Bank today. I was prepping for the holiday barbecue. Hope you're having a great weekend at the Shore JD WWE Creative is why we can't have nice things. I hope you have a great holiday too, brother. Enjoy that barbecue. I don't know what I'm doing. It's uh, the weather. It's right now. It's thunderstorming on the East Coast here at the Jersey Shore, but it should be nice tomorrow afternoon going into 4th of July Monday, man. It should be good. I may be at the beach with a nice cold beverage. I'll let you guys know. I'll take some pictures. Jared Ford with a $5 super chat. We're at the point where even Impact can make a better show against all odds than Money in the Bank. Think about that. Hashtag OTS for life. I didn't know Impact had another pay-per-view tonight. Akachira with a $10 super chat. Epic rants. Love it. Thank you, Akachi. I appreciate you, brother. Ricardo Linnell with the $5 Super Chat. Did you see the look on Drew McIntyre's face when he looked up at Austin Theory? You could tell he was thinking, unfucking believable WWE creative socks. Now, I missed that part, man. I was too busy fucking uh, saying unfucking believable as well. Matthew Malnar with the 199 Super Chat. Let's hope Liv doesn't lose the title on Friday. Bro, I would not put it past him. I would not put it past them, man. We could see a title loss on Friday. Also, with a 199, Matthew Malinar Bailey returns Friday and takes it off Liv. Bradley Robinette with a 199 Super Chat. JD, are you not playing WWE 2K22 anymore? The game sucks, Bradley. The game sucks. I don't find it to be enjoyable. Jerry Ramey with a $20 Super Chat. JD, I get the feeling Austin Theory will wait nearly a year like Edge in 2006. Goes nearly a year. 
The subsequent run will be like Orton 2004 title run, but as a heel, properly booked and successful. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, uh, again, I, I urge I urge you guys to understand where I'm coming from, man. Rollins or Riddle was the idea and the plan and the right choice. Austin Theory had no business winning money in the bank. E-Murder 99 with a 5-hour chat. Austin Theory was the worst pick in WWE history. And what will happen if Brock Lesnar was to win the dual title and Austin Theory was to cash in and fail? Then they would have wasted tonight on Rollins and Riddle. Adam Ayod with an Australia Mike 799 Super Chat. What if they give Theory the world title and at Mania it would be Cena vs. Theory and Cena is chasing 17 against the so-called next John Cena. I don't like that. John Cena should not be chasing 17 against Austin fucking Theory. John Cena should be chasing 17 against Randy Orton or Edge. Jarrett Hotfinger with a $2 super chat. Do you think Raquel Gonzalez faces Bianca? Raquel Gonzalez is on SmackDown. Bianca's on Raw. No. Well, what the fuck do I know? WWE loves to break their brand split rules. Why not? Cam G with a $10 super chat. I don't know about you, JD, but that women's division is dead on arrival without Sasha Banks. I agree. I agree, brother. Sasha Banks, uh, Sasha Banks missing from that division? Big, big, big time void, man. JT Golden with a 499 Super Chat. Vince, Stephanie, and Triple H all went to UFC right after the show. Did they really? I guess Bruce wrapped everything up then, huh? DGK Dog with a 499 Super Chat. I like Liv Morgan, but honestly, I have never been emotionally invested in any of the women outside of Sasha Banks, Becky, or Bailey. Uh, Dog, I agree with you, bro. I can respect and like some of the women, but I don't think there's been one woman outside of Sasha Banks and Bailey that I've genuinely been invested in since they got called up. I'm totally on board with that, man. Yeah. Jack Lou with the $10 Super Chat. I think Omas's performance improved a lot today. Is it just me? I think his shoulder got thicker and more muscular. Jack, I'll agree with you, man. Omas, tonight was the first time I did not mind Omas. It helps that he's got seven other guys there to take the load off of his back, but they played his role, and he played his role very well. He didn't do too much. He looked believable, and he didn't look out of place, so I, I could get behind that for sure. Oscar with a 499 Super Chat. The Taco. What did this guy say? Uh, Oscar, there you are. The Taco. Uh, that Taco that you posted on Twitter is just madness. Have you tasted street tacos? Bro, don't make fun of my of my taco on Twitter today, bro. That's Taco Cat in Margate, bro. It was skirt steak. With chimichurri, pickled red onions, and lime crema sauce with some Fontina cheese, bro. 
I don't do corn tortillas. I do flour only. Corn on occasion. I like a soft shell over a crunchy shell, man. And I love me some skirt steak with some chimichurri. You're going to shit on my tacos. I'm going to kick you out of here, bro. It was delicious. Jerry Ramey with a $10 super chat. JD Ronda never deserved her pushes to the level she got. She was coddled in MMA, got beat decisively twice, ran home, and it was never exciting. What does Vince, Bruce, and Stephanie see in Ronda? I don't know. Her name value is withering next to nothing. Ronda is done. Ronda does nothing for the division. She never did and never will. The first time she was all right. The first run was all right. The second run, there's nothing that she's done that is working out. And Jesse, there was no sour cream on this taco, bro. Uh, Brian, with a three-month membership. Thank you so much, brother. Here's the three months. Cheers. Thank you, man. Oscar with a 499 Super Chat. I didn't mind Austin Theory winning that belt, honestly. I was actually shocked that people were pissed off. Also, that Uso match was boring. Oscar, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to bench you, bro. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to Otis I'm gonna have Otis and Jesse kick you out of here, bro. Seriously. First of all, you're making fun of my skirt steak taco with chimichurri sauce, pickled red onions, lime, uh, uh, lime cream crema, and fontina cheese, and now you're telling me the USO match was boring. I don't know, man. I don't know what the fuck you expect out of me, bro. Uh, MGM Ballin. I really try to give WWE a chance, but then they go and do what they did to end the night. No, there was no Pico on the tacos. No. Bougie. Jesse, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna warm you up to my bougie ways, bro. We're going to go to some high-end coffee shops and order some oat milk, double espresso lattes with extra foam, bro. We're going to go to these fancy taco shops that I got here in South Jersey, man, with their lime cream crema and their fucking fancy fontina cheese, bro, and their, uh, their fucking fixings. Come on, man. Chris Elliott, 1989, with a $2 Super Chat. You're the best, JD. Keep up the great work. OTS for life. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you, man. David Hill with a UK Super Chat. $5. Happy for live. Theory a year early for winning money in the bank. Should have been Riddle or Rollins. Yes. Nah, man. Nah, brother. You, uh, you're on the south side, man. We got we to get you to uh, the JD side. Don't worry, guys. You guys can get tacos just like the one that I photographed on Twitter today, man, at the new OTS Beer Garden, man. We're going to go to Thunder's Taqueria. It's not Jesse's Taqueria or Jesse's Cantina. We're going to go and get tacos from Thunder Rosa. Uh, David Hill, thank you so much for the five. Uh, and I agree, brother. Theory a year early. 
Uh, Russell Wagner with nine months. Thank you, Russell Wagner. JD, you apologizing to the world was a stand-up thing to do. Hopefully one day I'll be able to buy you a shot or a beer. Listen, man. It's water under the bridge now. Um, It is what it is. I will uh, refrain from talking about it. Did not make me feel good. And uh, I'm just glad everything is all right. But thank you, man. Uh, Riley Johnson with a 499 Super Chat. I recently watched your interview with Chris Van Vliet and thought it was really cool to see. Always happy to see a fellow New Yorker succeed. I'd love to have round two with Chris, man. I really would. Chris Thomas. 499 Super Chat. Hey, JD, I'm enjoying some... McAllen, 18-year-old single malt, so I can forget the end of that men's money in the bank match. Bro, don't go and get drunk now. It was an all right night, except for the ending. Except for the ending, man. Isaiah Hoffman with a 499 Super Chat. JD, I think WWE is in the right direction. Just get Vince out of there, and I feel like we're on the verge of better. Hopefully. Man, if Vince and Bruce were gone, I swear to everybody in this chat, man, you would feel an immediate difference. I know you would. Either Triple H or Paul Heyman would be in charge of creative and things would be noticeably different. And we got a 17-month membership from Shayla. Thank you, Shayla. Cena beating theory for the briefcase sort of makes sense after he... Received that beating from Lesnar last year. He can cash in on Lesnar. Just a thought. I don't know, man. I don't know what they got planned, to be quite honest with you. I don't know. I guess we'll find out more on Monday. Typically, WWE has this uh, this false sense of excitement going into Monday Night Raw following a pay-per-view, so... There's a lot of questions to be answered, man. We'll find out on Monday. But listen, man, we are, uh, we're about to get out of here. Jesse, listen, uh, I'm going to need you from now on, bro. I'm going to need you to put pickled red onions and lime crema on my tacos, man. Skirt steak only, chimichurri, and extra fontina, bro, Okay. Make sure we got that stock for Titus, man. I want that on the menu. Stock. ASAP when the beer guard opens, all right? Don't give me no lip clown, okay? And give me a double of bullet, single barrel. I'll talk to you later, man. You're on the south side, you said, right? We're gonna gonna go to the JD side, man. We're gonna go to the JD side, man. Bougie and upscale, okay? That's what we do. That's what we do, bro. Anyway, guys. Anyway, guys, I appreciate you. I appreciate you all, man. You guys are awesome. We had a great night, man. We had 34, upwards towards 3,500 people in the venue tonight, man. Number one in the community. 1,600 likes, man. You guys, are, you guys are crazy. You guys are crazy, man. The next time you guys will see me live is on Monday. Brian, your favorite liquid death flavor. Regular. 
The sparkling water, regular. Next time you'll see me is on 4th of July, folks. 4th of, I may have the beer garden. We may be in the beer garden on Monday. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I'll be live on Monday for Raw. There will probably be nothing tomorrow. I'm taking the day off, man. I am. Uh, you might not have uh, heard it or seen it tonight, but, man, I'm exhausted. Just an emotional week, man, uh, all over the place. But uh, I hope you guys have a great 4th of July. Enjoy yourself. Be safe. Hopefully you enjoy your favorite cold beverage. If you if you buy the beach or barbecuing, enjoy it, man. Enjoy it. We all deserve it. I will see you guys live Monday. Hit that thumbs up. Follow me on Twitter at JD from NY206. Twitter and Instagram. Go check out Manscaped. Give me those guitar emojis in the chat. I need that fucking music on max. Guys, I'll see you on Monday live, 4th of July, right here in the OTS venue for Monday Night's Raw. I will see you guys later. Oh,